Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Boom, we're hiring for intellectual value versus spec. Today's show is all about challenging your past behavior. What has worked for you in the past will not work for you in the future, especially true in hiring today. So hire people who think beyond the job and hire the people that you can give them runway to grow. This is the only way to spark innovation and propel growth of your business. Today's quote, none of us is as smart as all of us. Any idea who said that, Mr. Scott Hamilton? It sounds like a Rick Gerard quote to God, me. God, I wish it was. <laughs> it's uh, Ken Blanchard. I'm Rick Gerard. Welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to help entrepreneurs and hiring managers avoid costly hiring mistakes. We do this by identifying a specific problem and provide proven solutions to enable your company to win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, industry experts, and disruptors like our guest today, Mr. Scott Hamilton. Scott is the president and CEO of Executive Next Practices Institute. So Scott is a well-known thought leader and speaker in the field of next practices improvement of executive and workforce performance and for global fortune 5000 through emerging companies. He's also the managing director of Nextwork Strategy, a premier provider of strategy development, alignment, innovation, board effectiveness, and executive performance programs to mid-market companies. Both of these entities have been recognized by Forbes and the Orange County Business Journal as leaders in the fields of innovation, intrapreneurship, and strategic information. I got that right, right? Entrepreneurship? Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes Scott the perfect guest for today's topic. Scott, welcome to the Higher Power Radio. Hey, Rick. Great to be here. Great to see you again. Great to have you. Yeah, you're like a three-peat, right? We've had you on. Yeah, that's right. New studio. <laughs> Fantastic. We kick off for the new awesome. year with you. <laughs> Woo. So today we're going to cover a few things. We're going to talk about intellectual value versus skills. We're going to talk about your talent innovation ecosystem. And then Scott's going to give us a four-step process to maximize your hiring effectiveness. So let's start with uh, the question of, you know, most of our audience are entrepreneurs. Let's talk about the blinders that the entrepreneurs have in, uh, in what they're doing now in, in the hiring process. Yeah, well, here's the, the first thing is that uh, if you look at what this is good for entrepreneurs as well as those running a billion dollar enterprise, True. by the way, uh, it's good for both. Yes. <laughs> but the blind side, here's the big issue. Uh, and this is a concern of every um, anybody that's running a business, right? Your next competitor is likely to going to come from your blind side. You're not going to be able to see them. They're not going to forecast that they're coming into your space. Nope. <laughs> so it's always maintaining this peripheral vision about what's happening and hiring people who have peripheral vision, who aren't locked in to a particular way of thinking or a particular spec or in a particular box that they've always operated in. Kind of gives me that ver that image of the horse with the blinders on, right? So you <laughs> exactly. just want to focus. So you want people who look around, who, who are going to test test things. You want people who are going to innovate, right? Yeah, exactly. And it might be somebody, somebody outside your domain. That's the other important thing. Because you notice across most industry sectors that are being transformed today, they've been that's been triggered by someone that came from outside their industry scope, outside their domain. Most definitely. The, the cab companies didn't see Uber really coming. The traditional mindset for yellow cab, innovation for them would have been to paint their cars black, <laughs> right? <laughs> that was thinking through in the box. Let's make a big change this year. <laughs> that was the change. Yeah. But yeah, it's just exactly that. Not fundamentally rethinking everything you do. 
So where does past behavior come into play with this? I mean, we're all used to doing things a certain way and we get in habits. We figure out what kind of works and we usually stick with it. Why is it important to kind of really evaluate your past behavior? Well, this is the old Jerry Seinfeld riff, riff right? About uh, we always can't wait to get up. If we're sitting, we can't wait to get up. If we're standing up, we can't wait to sit back down. If we're on a trip, we can't wait to get there. When we get there, we can't wait to get home. So we fall <laughs> into these by habits and yeah. behaviors where we want to get to our comfort zone. And our past legacy behaviors has always been that, standardize, get comfortable, get into a niche, make a nest. Sure. And so we've got to constantly push against that mentality, got that it. mindset. You have to realize, too, that the hiring market, the landscape for people, for talent has changed tremendously. People don't want or they're not going to put up with what is out there. They don't want the traditional interview process. They get bored of it. They're completely bored of it and they don't get challenged and they, they tune out. And then it just becomes a transactional process. I can't tell you the amount of frustration out there in the marketplace of people having to endure various types of interviews, which are based in the 90s, uh, many of them in the 80s techniques, right? Yeah, yeah. The other 80s, thing- 80s, I would say like the 30s. Even the 30s, yeah. <laughs> uh, in including the questions you can't, not supposed to ask. Yeah. Here's the other thing though. Yeah, the Gallup survey, you probably saw this past week, over 45% of people want meaningful purpose out of their work, a meaningful purpose. And yet we're not fulfilling that. And we're not answering it in the interview process and we're not delivering it day by day. So that's another big issue. Yeah, and that goes back to your point with the blinders. You have to open your eyes to what the people want around you. Um, we can talk about culture and that all day long. The fact of the matter is, is that you really, if you want to build a great company, if you want to innovate, you have to make changes. Yeah, and it's a continuous process. Yeah. Um, and by the way, uh, when we talk about innovation, there's a lot of pitfalls there. People, when you say innovation, they think you want to come up with the next Hyperloop or the next SpaceX, right? Often... Innovation is incremental, and it takes you on a path uh, to getting your, your product better. So rather than look at it as one big leap or a breakthrough, look at it as these incremental steps when you look at innovation. All right. So why is it important that people hire people who can think above and beyond just the scope of their role? Well, first of all, look at how you are approaching the hire. If you've set up a spec sheet, a job description, you've already lost because that's, as soon as you start specking it out, <laughs> then you're starting to exclude potential people who can fill that role, who can think broader. So leave yourself enough room there. To, I'm glad you're saying that, <laughs> not me, by the way, because I preach this all the time. Well, it's, it, it's basically, we've got books and books of job descriptions and specs, and often we do the interviews based on the specs. Yeah. As opposed to looking at those that can think, and think creatively, make correct judgments, make correct decisions, think broader. That's the kind of skill sets we're looking for. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, look to some of the great leaders, you look at Steve Jobs, he used to say, we hire great people to tell us what to do, not so we can tell them what to do. Right. Just things like that. I mean, give people a room for, for growth. Yeah. And remember that the greatest ideas are coming in those small spaces, big and small spaces in the work day where people aren't so focused on delivering, of, on doing. It's in those spaces where they can think that we're really making some improvement. And yet we often don't allow them time to think. Yeah, that's definitely. Well, I'm gonna add my two cents on the job description. If you think about what you want the person to accomplish and put that into a job description and maybe set performance standards, I talk about this all the time, 90 days, one year, three years, you're giving somebody a growth path. 
it's far more attractive and it's going to attract great people as opposed to people that are just looking for a job. Yeah. And, and look at, there's nothing wrong with people that are looking for a job because you know, we've all been there, but if you want to grow and innovate your company, uh, you need to hire the best person for that role. And it may be somebody, but he's looking for a job, but then again, it might not be. Yeah. And also when you're setting it up, when you're setting those performance goals, make sure it's the right performance metrics, obviously. Yeah. They're obtainable. They're obtainable. They're they're not lagging metrics, but they're ones that look forward in terms of how to improve the performance of the organization, how they execute better, uh, how they come up with more ideas. So again, the right kind of metrics are critical here. Most definitely. All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Girard, and for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out what we do at stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content, resources, and information on how you can book me to speak at your next meeting or conference. Our guest today is Scott Hamilton. Scott is the president and CEO of Executive Next Practices Institute. And we are talking about intellectual value versus skills. So how do we fix this problem? How do we, how do we really start getting ourselves in a mindset of, oh crap, I need to get this job filled, and, rather than, okay, I need to find the right person who's going to take us you know, to infinity and beyond. The bigger picture here is, and we started with talking about entrepreneurs and enterprise companies. First, look at your starting point. What is your strategy? What's your business model look like? And then we have a technique called next practice development, which applies to talent development, right? And how are you hire? And the next practice development is composed of four key steps uh, that we look at. So at the top level, the four big ones are what you create, what you eliminate, what your strategy is, and then how you go about influencing, how creating the right kind of culture, right? So we take them step by step. We actually start with the elimination piece. So if you're looking at, let's say it's a, either a hiring process, talent management strategy, even your overall strategy, day-to-day work, what can you stop doing right now? Just eliminate. Legacy behaviors, policy practices, what can you just stop doing literally overnight that Bad won't impact it? Bad interviews is always a good one. Bad interviews is a good one. Yeah. Bad uh, video interviews in particular are a good one. Uh, if you ask people what they can stop doing, something amazing happens, Rick. The energy level goes up. The stress goes down because people are taking things off their plate, bottom line. No more TPS reports. No more, yeah, know. why are we doing it? Exit interviews. Why are we doing them? It's too late, by the way, when you do an exit interview. Yeah. Well, no, actually, exit interviews have a purpose, I think. I think they have a, they're grounded in a purpose of, of being able to, if you can gather the the intel from the person, if they're really open and honest, I mean, that's feedback that you normally don't get. But I think it's, I think it's important to exit people. Well, I'll throw it to you this way. Okay. Uh, the uh, Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report. So, so exit interviews <laughs> is, again, think about Minority Report. We want to get that de- detail before they leave, right? Yes. So come up with the pre-exit interview, if you will, call it whatever okay, you want like to, that. but get to those issues before it happens. Then um, it becomes a non-issue. I mean, then it's a non-issue, yeah. right? So we got back to what you can eliminate. Just things right. that on reports, documents, documentation that are not essential that we can take off, or we can digitize, uh, or we can outsource, uh, but stop doing it within the organization. So free those things up. By the way. We just did this with a couple of organizations, uh, notably the city of Irvine, with their HR team. And they came up with several hundred, several hundred things they could eliminate in a span of about (laughs) 45 minutes. Because once you ask people what is no longer relevant, it's amazing what comes out. But also, 
people haven't often been asked in years about what they can stop doing. All right. So you're really questioning what you've done in the past. You're looking at whether or not those things are actually what productive to the business. So they're going to help innovate or move the business forward. And then you're eliminating those things. Yeah. If it doesn't contribute directly to the value of your direction, value proposition or your strategic direction, then why are you doing it at the end of the day? If it's not providing value to employees, stakeholders, uh, community, sustainability, if it doesn't have some value to your overall objectives, then why are you doing okay, it? Okay. So you mentioned video interviews, right? So that that's kind of a big thing. Are you talking about like the one-way video interviews or actually a video conversation? Because I, I, I would agree with you, like the one-way video interviews, I think are completely a waste of time in the interview process. It doesn't well, give you a true picture of who a person is. Yeah. Well, hopefully you're doing video interviews this way, that the candidate has already gone through a series of videos to know what you're all about in terms of your, what your culture is, uh, what you stand for, what your purpose is. So they have some context. Secondly, to your point, it's a two-way video yeah. conversation. And secondly, that, that video interviewer, this happens all the time. Uh, if you're on camera, the, the video interviewer has their questions up in front of them, and they're looking at the sheet. They never once look at the, the uh, interview subject. I, I see that all the time. It just happened this week. I sat in and audited one. And the interviewer was not paying attention to what the interviewee was doing. Hmm. Just taking notes. Just based. This is fundamental. Got it. Yeah. All right. So, which what would be the one thing that they should eliminate from a hiring process? First of all, question yourself. If you get into this rotation where you're finding where you're having the candidates exposed to five, six, a dozen, twenty interviews up front, uh, there's a point where that's not doing you any good in terms of time, in terms of value or quality of the diligence. And it's certainly not helping the candidate coming in. It's sending a wrong message. Any more than one to maybe max two on-site interviews is a complete waste of time. If you can't make a decision, then you really need to reevaluate the questions you're asking and, and gather the evidence you need to make a decision. Because, I've, again, I've come across this like you. Too many times you get out of a conversation with somebody, well, I'm just not sure about that person. Then you didn't ask the right questions. So, um, okay, so now once we've kind of eliminated some things, what do we do next? Then we start to look at what we can create. Okay. Again, in a frame of reference about what our value proposition is, what are, at the end of the day, what we want our, in this case, our talent development or talent management system to look like. That's our objective. And then start to look at what we can create that will make it more effective to get to that point. What kind of systems, processes, streamlined ways of getting to candidates we can look at uh, that we that are new, fundamentally new. And you don't have to create the wheel. You can just take somebody else's existing process or like or better it, right? Or just are you talking about tweaking what you have and making it better, or what? It's both tweaking it, taking what others are doing well, but also applying it to your business model because yeah. yours yours is not like anybody else's. And then secondly, you may find new fundamentally ways, different ways of doing it, and that's what you want to open it up to your entire team. So if you've got an eight-person talent team, opening it up to the entire team to really look strategically at how you can improve it. Again, I want to emphasize, these could be small steps, incremental steps, uh, but some may lead into a breakthrough for you. Okay. So what would be a good good, uh, good thing to create for a hiring process? You mean, uh, Maybe a best practice. I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but you know, based on kind of some of the, the clients that you had and some of the work, like what would be something that would be innovative? I mean, I think of maybe the, I talk about the Amazon interview process, which is, you know, they do 90% of their decision is made based on whether or not somebody fits the cultural 
um, values of the organization. And they, the questions are asked to Liberty deliberately to uh, bring, those, bring those up, to gain evidence of whether or not, so like I'm a big proponent of behavioral interviewing, right? I don't think most people do that. I think a lot of people kind of, they get into what they're comfortable with. It's really no different than maybe go if you went to interview McDonald's. Can, can you work this week? You know, when can you start? How much money does it make? Okay, thanks, bye. It doesn't even matter what the person does. So we talk about something that's innovative in a work environment. So we're changing the interview nature of the interview question. So it's behavioral, but also we're trying to get to how much creativity do they have? How much accurate judgment do they have? How, how do they make decisions? Uh, as opposed to what they've done in the past, we certainly want to get to past behaviors, but also we want to look at how much they're going to contribute new ideas to us going forward so in the future. So how it relates to the business moving forward. Yeah. And then the other innovation we've seen, and, and you've seen this too, uh, is again, the video, uh, the outbound video recruiting so that that candidate gets a really true sense of what it's like to work for your organization. So they're hearing from people within your organization. They're seeing the work environment. You're even trying to convey to them some of the more covert aspects of your workplace. Um, I, I would. I, I think those are great. Those are great marketing pieces. I will say, though, that a lot of times it's not really true to the culture. I would say, don't lie about what your culture right. is. Because yeah. <laughs> I've seen so many videos where you go in, it's like everybody, you know, in these everybody's happy. You walk in there, it's just this somber mood and you're like, God, I'm sad I'm in here. Yeah. If you get one of these disconnects that on glass door, it turns up something else as opposed to what you're actually seeing. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm talking a sincere, authentic view of what your organization's all about. What your organization is. I mean, the fact is, I I say this sometimes, like if if you've got an organization and you're a bunch of jerks and you all backstab each other and and you thrive in that environment, then just promote to those type of people who do well there. Yeah. You know, don't try and portray that you're some utopian environment that everybody loves working at. <laughs> you come here, you're going to get crushed. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Yeah, there's something else you brought up, too, and this has to do with people already on board with you, particularly mm-hmm. in an entrepreneurial environment. Realize that if you go through the maturity curve as you're starting a company, some of the people that started with you are no longer going to be a fit. And you've seen that as even the big players, uh, Facebook, Amazon, as they grew over the years, you see players that started with them that exited fairly early on, over and over. So it's that constant evaluation. Are people contributing? Are they going to help you get, help you grow, reach the kind of maturity you want to get to? Got it. Okay. Next piece after create. The other piece is that we want to look strategically uh, at the business um, from a couple of standpoints. One is, have we set an environment where everybody has the shared purpose, right? Shared vision. But they also understand what our overall strategy is in the going to market. That goes across the entire talent spectrum. No matter what role they're doing, they can speak to your strategy just as well as your CEO can. That's absolutely essential in today's market. That's and communication, too. It, it's it's sure huge communication. Yeah. Caught into that. And it's all about alignment, internal alignment across the organization. Yeah. So in the years past, uh, we still do this. We use something called an immerse map, which is a business visual, which allows people to actually see the strategy the same way the executive team does, and then get involved with that strategy in terms of looking at what potential markets are there, what the customers are saying, what internal operations can be innovated. So literally, we've created these business visuals for for years. One of the largest privately held companies in Orange County just went through this process to introduce their performance management system. 
But first, they had to get people on the same page about what the, where the business was going before they introduced the new performance management system. Sure. It sounds obvious, but people don't do it. Yeah, Once communication a, from the top is always, you know, it's always um, kind of fuzzy. And it's absolutely not, essential. Not always. A lot of times it's fuzzy. The, the, this is from our own data. The shelf life of, um, I should say, the cycle in terms of engaging people to strategy is around three to four years. In other words, uh, the CEO gets up and does a roadshow, whatever, once every three or four years. That's the average. For some companies, it's as long as a decade when they engage their people to where they're actually going. Some companies are better. When you're in a startup, it's easier because you're a small team, right? Mm -hmm. You can talk real time. The larger you get, though, the more the distant employees get from where you're actually going. Yeah, that's, see, I think it, that's why I love startups so much. Yeah, I'm that true? Because, yeah. you know, you can, you can move just so much faster in the communication. I mean, yeah, but there is that problem when you're moving so fast that you don't communicate effectively. Yeah, you, you get, that's true. And strategy uh, gets swept under the carpet a lot of times. It does. Yeah. But you, I do like the instant feedback. Uh, when we work, we work with a lot of startups, and yeah. so they, the immediate feedback from the marketplace, what's working, what's not. Let's face it, Instagram Three months into their business model, they pivoted away from their starting business model, which ultimately led to the sale to Facebook. Yeah. But again, uh, there was a case where they read the early signals, the early pivot points, and were able to make a change. All right. What's our fourth piece? Uh, the fourth piece is this idea of influence. Okay. And this is under the banner of culture. And what I mean by influence is helping everyone in the organization form their own channels, formal and informal of stakeholders inside and outside the organization that will help enable them personally and organizationally to succeed. Now, let me just relate this. In marketing sense, people know this. You always look for strategic partners, strategic alliances to further your business. This is a case where I'm suggesting for our internal talent, we give them the tools, the techniques, and the avenues to form channels to improve their own personal performance, but also in terms of creating new lines of communication that may not have been there before. Yeah, you know what? And this kind of goes into play when you are hiring, really uh, cultivating a referral program, right? And making your people champions of the organization. Uh, now, are we also talking about influence from the perspective of kind of creating your people as like creating their own brand or their brand influence? It's, it's part of the personal brand, but let me take this, be very specific. So yeah. let's take the HR function because we just got through talking to... Uh, uh, several hundred HR people across 800 companies in November, December. Okay. And we did this next practice discussion with them. And so the conversation was this. As an HR leader, how do you form new channels of influence within your executive team and do that legitimately so it doesn't come across as forced? Because we so always like having a seat at the table. Yeah, it's, it's, it's even beyond that now because we've talked about being a strategic partner for years. Correct. But coming at it with like a market-based approach in uh, really understanding where the business is going and then starting to form both formal and informal, informal alliances with the entire executive team. Sure. Um, that has to be a deliberate, intentional kind of effort across the entire executive team, not just, say, with a CFO or whoever HR is reporting to at that time. So it's... Uh, it takes some thought, and it really is, again, both in formal and informal channels that have to be developed. Because what we're ultimately trying to get to is get people to buy into our ideas, right? Get Correct. committed to where we're going. Correct. But how does this correlate, though, into like a hiring process? Like, where am I 
where where's the influence piece on that? Like, what am I focusing it on? Yeah, I think it, it's about someone joining your organization uh, and helping them gain an understanding of both within their function, but also across silos, how they can engage with the entire organization. Okay. What are the potential channels they can leverage, how you can do it. And again, we've seen a lot of companies form um, in years past cross-functional teams, cross-silo teams. Those seem to be effective, but they take work and they take time. So that's a technique the organization may want to continue to resort to. Is. So in, in terms of hiring, a lot of people tend to want to make a move because they're not seeing growth in their current company, right? So what you're doing is maybe connecting the dots for, hey, here's how we can help you grow. Here's the, you know, if those things are important to them, like I want to be able to have cross, you know, pollinizational, you know, ability, or I'm, I want to be able to like get my nose into different parts of the business. That's what you're doing. That's what you're displaying out there. Absolutely. So if we take an initiative, whether it be a new go-to-market, a uh, new product, new service, internal quality initiative, you name it, sustainability initiative, that's done. All those are executed in a cross-functional way. Uh, okay. And that takes, again, it takes extra work, time, and energy because our natural inclination is to go silo, right? So uh, but, true. Uh, but here's what we're also building by doing that. We're building collaboration skills. We're building better judgment. We're creating those channels of influence that we're looking for. So we're creating a better company. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. <laughs> we're just uh, about getting low on time here. So what would be two or three key takeaways that you can give the audience so they can plug into their business today? Okay. First of all, look to create an employee experience before they hit your door, before they walk in. That's Before you even post before, the job before, before, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> create the experience ahead of time. Secondly, don't get locked into traditional specs and job descriptions, which many cases, not all the time, <laughs> exclude the very people that you want to have come in. Be thinking broader and looking for those skill sets, peripheral vision, decision-making, judgment, creativity. Agile organizations. I also bundle this with nimble organizations, closely related. Who are the people that can help you move and move in direct, new directions if necessary in a span of a day? They recognize a, an emerging trend, emerging threat, emerging opportunity, help you pivot to that overnight. This is especially so critical for entrepreneurs. Hire for talent above hiring for skills. Absolutely. I mean, that brings us full circle. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're, not, we're not ignoring skills, by the way, but we're, we're also putting above that these other judgment factors. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just about out of time for today's show. Scott, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Rick. Again, and I really want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Thanks so much for being our third guest on the show and, and Thank uh, you. Our, our LinkedIn live show. So uh, now you have a couple of events coming up, so I want to give you a few minutes to plug those um, and then tell everybody how they can reach you. Okay. Uh, for the audience, for the past 11 years, Executive Next Practice Forums, ENP Forums, also known as Entrepreneurial Next Practices or Enterprise Next Practices, you name it. That means we don't have to change the monogram on the towel, by the way, EMP. <laughs> These forums I have been going nationwide, and uh, we bring together all industry sectors and all C-suite functions just because of what we just talked about. That is, your next idea may come from an adjacent industry or from a functional area that you don't normally associate with. We put the best and the brightest in front of you with content that is one step, one step ahead of the audience. So next week, it's the Healthcare Summit. We'll look at the digitization of the health, the $3 trillion healthcare industry, which is rapidly happening. We'll look at, um, after that communication summit, 
with Roger Love, the number one voice coach in the country, will be with us on February twenty first. Right? What's that? He's a singer. Uh, that's part of the ways he okay. coaches through yeah. singing. Yeah. yeah, he coached Jeff Bridges in uh, Crazy Heart. By the way, cool. he was fantastic. Uh, he'll be joined with Robin Gabriel, uh, Deb Carlson, Lee Steinberg, uh, who will speak from the sports and business world about how to communicate better. That's February twenty first, and then we keep going. We have Steve Jobs. Um, excuse me, Steve, Steve Forbes. Jobs, he's dead. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Steve <laughs> Forbes. Will kill me on that one. I like to- Steve Forbes will be joining us on April twenty fourth, along with his team, to look at stakeholder leadership. In other words, a whole new leadership model. Gotcha. So we enjoy, uh, invite your listeners to please join us at those. And they can all find you at, what's your uh, URL? Easy one, enpinstitute.com. Just right. look, just Google uh, ENP or Executive Next Practices. Now, I would have right thought it was super amazing if you could bring Steve Jobs back from the dead and get him on one of your things. <laughs> well, actually, we do have the hologram coming, so oh, okay, we'll just put sweet. him up. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. All right, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer Decker, our producers Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We love your feedback after all the shows about you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, that's H I R E, Power, P O W E R, Radio, R A D I O.com. You can reach me at Rick at stridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Kelly Robinson. Kelly is the CEO of Red Dot Media. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live Show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard. Rick Gerard.